You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. One of the most powerful people in Washington today is Senator Joe Manchin, who is the Democratic senator from a Republican-leaning state, West Virginia. He really holds the key to how legislation is going to get through the Senate. I had a chance to meet with him recently and talk with him at the Economic Club of Washington about his views on a variety of important issues now facing the Senate and the country. Senator, thank you for coming. Anything new lately? Not much. Uh There's been reported in the press that you were spending the weekend in uh, Delaware. Um, Anything you can tell us about what happened? I had a nice visit. I really did. I had a nice visit. Uh, President Biden and I have known each other for quite a while, but, you know, knowing each other in the political arena and then knowing each other as a person uh, is a different different, uh, setting. So uh, since he's been president, we've got to know each other as who we are and who who, uh, hopefully he knows who I am. And I've just basically said to the president, I said, Mr. President, my my philosophy of politics is this. When I got involved in 1982, I always thought government should be my partner, not my provider. But as a result of the session you had with the president, um, do you think you came away with an understanding of where the country is going on all these bills? Well, and, and I've said this, and I think all of you remember maybe a couple months ago, I said I really thought long and hard about taking a strategic pause. My reason for saying that was a lot of the things that, were, that are in this reconciliation bill a lot of the things there we had covered in the ARP, American Rescue Plan, at $1.9 trillion. And if you look at the American Rescue Plan bill that we did, it covers a lot of the things they're talking about clear up through 2022 and into 23. So I didn't see the, the urgency that someone's going to be left without any type of cover through a, uh, coming out of a COVID pandemic. And the whole reason about what we did in 2020, to the extent we did what we did, was trying to prevent the country from going into a health crisis or a financial crisis, and we did that. Now, I said, the unknown was this. We didn't know what the COVID was coming back, the variant of the COVID. We didn't know what it was going to do, and we're still seeing you know, spikes and valleys and spikes. We didn't know uh, what, uh, if, if uh, inflation is transitory or not. Now we're finding out it might not be transitory. And then the biggest thing that I had concerns about, which you don't hear people talk about much, was the geopolitical fallout of how we left Afghanistan. Because uh, I know what my, my little coal, coal town I come from, just human nature was if there was a bully and you saw someone smack that bully and make that bully back down and everybody else is ready to take their shot too. But to finish on the session in Delaware. <laughs> um, He's not gonna let this one go, is he? <laughs> what, um, did you leave thinking that 
we're making progress and that you said to the president, well, here's my bottom line, and if you can deliver this, I, you got my vote? I don't think you negotiate. You should, no one should ever negotiate with the president, especially, or anyone else if you're, if you're negotiating in good faith. Yeah, I've always tried to put myself in the other person, but I want the other person to understand who I am, too. So if they can put themselves where I am and I put mine, we reverse roles and look at it. So when I left, I think it was a very positive meeting. Uh, we know there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of things we can do to make uh, more, uh, a, a more perfect uh, union. Um, when you go to the president's house like that, uh, I guess you can ask for anything you want to eat, and they serve anything, right? Because these want to make you happy, right? So you had a good time? Well, let me tell you, the, the thing we had a good time was, as you know, I, I kidded him, uh, you know how he's, he was always uh, supposed to be the poorest senator? He had an eye for real estate. <laughs> so... Um, so I told him, I said, Mr. President, you didn't do, you didn't do too bad for a poor senator. But so, let me tell you one thing he did. And we talked about that, and you walked down. But he built the home, and, and I was very impressed. He did a heck of a job, and he designed the whole thing. We went through it. It's a very nice home and a very nice setting. And, and he has some neighbors, and one neighbor uh, is not of his political persuasion. And if he's four inches over, if a car parks four inches over, then sometimes he hears about it. And, Even when he's president of the United States? Oh, right now, more so when he's president. Yeah. <laughs> So when you're negotiating with him or meeting with him, um, do you, are you kind of representing Senator Sinema or does she represent no, herself? No. I, I, one thing you learned about being a Senate, if you can take care of yourself, you're lucky. Okay. So, uh, all right. So she has her own views and she you have your views. views. Okay. I respect so, her very much and she's a friend of mine, but, you know, we, uh, I think what we bonded and because I was, I've been adamant, I've been there long enough to vote in 2013 against the nuclear bomb, getting rid of the filibuster that when at that time Senator Harry Reid did, uh, and then in 2017 when Mitch McConnell did it for Supreme Court, and I've been very steadfast on that, and then to find out I have another person who feels as strong as I do uh, was welcome. Okay, so is all the uh, tension you're getting pleasurable or actually a pain in the something or another? Yeah, I wouldn't, uh, this, this position, I guess, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, and people keep talking about power. You never bait. I look at this room and all the power in this room, and you, you all have been around, all of us have been long enough and watching life and watching how people uh, basically navigate life. I've seen people with an awful lot of power that abused it. And I said, why would they do that? And I've seen people that sought power and destroyed themselves trying to gain it. And then I've seen people took a moment of time. And, and I'll tell all of you right now, a moment of time is this, we better bring our country together. We better figure out it's United States of America, united, not divided States of America. And we better start working on that. And we, but, um, the, but in other words, you are the key vote in so many things going on in the Senate and Senator Sinema as well. But is that is that fun to be that? No, that you not, know? There's, no, well, there's nothing fun about it. But I always said this. I, I kept thinking because I was a governor in 2009 when they were doing the American Rescue Plan. I mean the uh, Affordable Care Act. And uh, I kept thinking if I'd have been governor. If I'd have been senator at that time to come down to a swing vote like it did with a couple of the moderates at that time, I, th I think you, maybe I could have made a little bit of a difference there because and, and, I understood how it was delivered in the states and people that were going without and people that needed it, but also people that could abuse it and take advantage of it. And I thought there's a better way to do it. Lo and behold, 10 years later, I find myself in a position and about every vote, 50-50 Senate. Who would have thought that it had come down to this? Is that your view that we should keep the current Senate filibuster rule, even for the voting rights bill that you authored? The only thing I know, I watched the Democrats use it against Trump in a lot of things. 
that we were able to stop things that just didn't make sense to us. So how can we just two or three, two years ago, three years ago, 39 Democrat senators led by our leader basically signed letters, please, Mitch McConnell, do not do away with the filibuster. Now all of a sudden it becomes, oh, please get rid of it because it'll help us more. Makes no sense to me at all. The voting rights bill. You have authored a amended version of the Voting Rights Act that you thought would get through the Senate. Doesn't seem like it's getting through unless you change the filibuster rules. What do you think is going to happen on voting rights? Well, let me just tell you, they said, I, I didn't author. Okay, I, put, I had input because I saw the for the people and I knew it was aspirational and I understand. Everything that you could imagine was in that bill. We're just, trying to, we're just trying to protect the Voting Rights Act of 1965, which got shot down in the Shelby decision in 2013. We haven't even fixed that. We haven't even fixed that because basically it went from nine states to 13 states, and then they threw it out with the Shelby decision. And I said, really, all 50 states should be held responsible and accountable. And I couldn't, I, in my mind, when I was Secretary of State, we used to have a Secretary of State Association meetings. We were always competing who could get the greatest turnout. I can, and now I'm realizing that people are basically looking at the advantage they would get if people don't vote, or certain people don't vote. That's beyond my comprehension, but it's the reality of what we're dealing with. It's got to be corrected. But I can't believe that my, that my Republican friends uh, don't see it that way. I just, I still can't, and you know what? And, and they keep saying, well, Joe, how many Republicans you got? How many this? And I'm working and talking to every Republican. I keep looking at them and says, what have you done? Who's the last person you talked to on the Republican side? Have, I need a little bit of help. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The debt limit, uh, we've extended it until December. Are you worried about the debt limit not being passed in December? It is crazy for us to use that as a, as a political weapon. It is absolutely insane. I think that basically the thing that we should do is come to an agreement, call a truce, and David, what I would say is that the thing that bothers me more, I don't see our leadership working together. I don't see people talking, having dinner or coffee, or even having a conversation on the floor. You'll see a few of us going back and forth and this and that. If you're watching, you know, if you are, you, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're more troubled than I thought if you're just watching C-SPAN and seeing us going back and forth. Uh, but the bottom line is, is no one's working and talking. So if you're not going to talk and communicate, then the easy way to do, get rid of the filibuster. That's easy. Sure. All this is easy. Would you be in favor of eliminating the debt limit? Just get rid of it. The debt limit should be 14th Amendment, but the president has the right to make that decision. We have the right to override if we think he went too far. That to me is the simplest. It takes all the politicians out of him making a deal. The thing that we got caught in the conundrum right now, the Republican says, well, fine, I want you to set the debt limit. It's going to be 31 trillion, 32. You know, we're right at 29 trillion now. So who's going to set the set the one? The one we have right now is 28.4, and that that's going to slide into December. And basically, the only way we can do it right now is if if the Republicans would not agree. And I don't think that we should change the rules by ourselves, which is called the nuclear option. This should be something that's done that's going to hold. And saying, okay, President has that authority. We have the authority to to review and override. 
Based on your experience, you would expect that sometime in December they'll figure out how to extend the debt. Before that, I'm pushing it now. We should do it now. It should not come down to the limit again. So if we can't do it and they don't agree on that, the Democrats have the responsibility, being the majority party right now, to do it through reconciliation. And when you do it reconciliation, you've got to set a number. And that's our responsibility, and I would take that and do it. What about the continuing resolution to fund the government? You think that'll go to the last minute as well? Everything goes to the last minute, and it's a shame because no one's talking up until the last minute. It becomes a crisis. We, we're okay. We can still manage through a crisis. It's a shame that you have to run the greatest country on earth through a crisis. Well, the Senate Democrats and the Senate Republicans, do they socialize or talk to each other very much? Or just it's not considered appropriate to be talking to people from the opposite party very much in the Senate? Well, it's a shame that, that, that you see some of that going on, that people just don't talk to uh, people that much. And I, I make a point to have dinner with them or meet them somewhere or just, you know, I always do that and try to. And I think that's the way. It, and, and I think there should be, a, there should be something to where at least... The leaders have to have lunch one day a week. I would think that would be good, but you know what we do? We have caucus lunches. All the Democrats go over here, all the Republicans go over there. And once a year we had Johnny Isingson would have all the people from Georgia come up and do a big pork thing, barbecue thing, and we'd all get together. But even then, it didn't last much longer than that. So you have a Republican colleague in the Senate from West Virginia, Senator Capito. Yeah, very um, very but, good friend of mine. So how do you relate we to We get along good. One night we were, uh, I had to go back home. We were voting late and we missed the plane. We only had one flight a night going back. So I said, hey, Shelly, I said, I'm driving. She said, okay. Uh, I said, you want to ride with me? And she thought about it for a minute or two. She said, okay, count me in. So uh, about 10 o'clock we take off for West Virginia. And I drive a little bit fast. And some, at night I drive a little bit faster because I know. But within the speeding limits, though. Well, I won't say that. <laughs> so we were driving and we were going through Beckley and we got picked up for speeding. Oh, you did? But when, they, when you get picked up, I mean, they, they know who you are, so what do they do? The state policeman comes to the door and he rolls in. Oh, my God, he says, he says, Governor? I said, oh, no, Senator. He was one of the troopers that I had when I was right. governor. So I thought I was in pretty good shape. So you, uh, I guess you didn't get a ticket then. And then when, uh, uh, the funny part was this. He looked at me and says, oh, my God, it's both of you. Are you worried that the Senate and the House could flip to the Republicans in the midterm because that often happens in these uh, first year? Well, we didn't have much of a buffer going in, okay, David? It wasn't like we had a little bit of a bench strength here. I, I know. So are you worried about this? Sure. You, you, I mean, you're worried if I'm a chairman right now of a committee, which I enjoy very much. I've been ranking before on a committee, which is a minority part, which Lisa Murkowski was one of my dearest friends and a great partner, and we worked back and forth. But... Yeah, you're, it's much better off when you can control the agenda versus you have to follow. But there's nothing you can do about it. You're, and you're, and the you can't do anything about it, but you can have good sound policy. I've always said this, the best politics is good government. And today, that's not what we're practicing. Today, it's not about right now, and I said, the Republicans are missing a golden opportunity not to jump on the infrastructure bill and be overwhelmingly bipartisan and taking credit. I've seen people take credit of good legislation that voted against it. I can't believe that happens in Washington. I can't. So is this making you more popular in West Virginia or less popular, all this attention? or is it Depends on what corner town you go to. <laughs> so, um, and you go back all, almost... I go back all the time, yeah. And West, you know, I, I love my state, and I'm born and raised in a little coal mining town, Farmington, four or 500 people. And uh, I, just, I just saw people that worked all the time and kind of shared what they had and took care of each other and took care of those who couldn't take care of themselves, if they were mentally or physically handicapped. The town always picked them up. I mean, I saw all the good in what 
we are a small town America and what the United States is. And I thought, well, maybe the whole country's that way. West Virginia used to be a solidly democratic state. When John Kennedy ran for mm -hmm. president, it was a very democratic state. Uh, now it's a democratic state till 2010. Right. So now it's a Republican state. What changed, West Virginia or the country? I couldn't believe. You know, I, I was very blessed with having good support from Republicans, Democrats, Independents. You know, I never got the extremes. I never got the far right or far left, and I can understand that. But we never ran our country or our states or our politics from the far right or far left. We've always, and I told people, I gave a speech one day the first time we come back off the COVID to Bethany College, at their graduation, a little beautiful little college up in northern northern West Virginia. And I walked on the stage, I didn't, they gave me a speech and I have good, good people here at work with me and, and I and just nothing, what do I say? You've been cloistered in for one year and I had nothing on paper or nothing in my mind that I was gonna say as I walked to the podium. I'm thinking, man, I'm blank, I don't know what I'm gonna say. And I walked up there and I just apologized. I said, I wanna apologize, I am sorry, I am sorry. I've been radicalized. And they looked at me and I don't know how that came out that way, I said, I've been radicalized. I said, your grandparents have been radicalized. Your parents have been, our generation was radicalized because we don't understand what's going on. You understand, I never had, I never had uh, computers, I never had cell phones, didn't have any of those growing up. So I got my news pretty much down the middle, CBS, ABC, NBC. I'll never forget one time when John Kennedy was running for president and West Virginia was a swing state and my parents were all excited and I didn't know why they were all excited about politics, but the young, the young person running and he was a Catholic and we we're a Catholic family and it was, there's not many Catholics in West Virginia. So they were all excited. So I got excited. So we're watching television one night and it had to be Walter Cronkite. He says, it's been said that if John Kennedy becomes president, the Pope will run the country. I looked at my mom, I says, boy, he don't know that he don't know the uh, Catholics we know. <laughs> that's all I, that's all I could come up with. Cause I figured I never seen anybody tell a Catholic or Protestant or Jew anything. They're going to make their own minds up. You're the only statewide office holder in West Virginia who's a Democrat, right? Oh, yes. It's very so, lonely. Have you ever thought my life would be easier for you if you shifted to being a Republican? And somebody have said recently that, um, you know, people have approached you about doing that. Every day. So wouldn't life be easier for you to do that? Oh, it'd be much easier. My goodness. But are you but thinking that, is that the purpose of being involved in public service? Are, are you thinking because about it's easy? doing it? No, I've never, I, I've never thought from this. I, I'm a, I, what I'm telling you now is who I am. Do you think by having a D or an I or an R is gonna change who I am? I don't think the R's be any more happier with me than D's are right now, okay? I mean, that's about as blunt as I can put it. So I don't know where in the hell I belong. So um, if, is being governor more fun than being a senator? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> being governor, you know how I got involved in politics? I was upset because I saw a guy come in one time talk to my father. I was 35 years old with three kids. I had no intention of getting involved in politics, none at all. And the guy came in, he started talking about favors. This was a local politician. He says, when he left, I said, Dad, he made it look like that he was doing you a favor to take care of people of his constituency. He's not doing his job. And I said, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna, I'm, it just got, went through me like a knife. I said, I'm gonna run. And Dad says, oh, no, no, you don't get involved in politics. That's not a good, a good profession. Boy, how prolific he was back then to, to understand that. And I said, I said Dad, you're, you're a hypocrite. I thought he was gonna hit me. And he looked at me and he says, why would you call him? I said, Dad, you always said you want good people involved, have to get good values. They should get involved for the right reason. I said, I think I was raised right. And you all, I mean, I think I feel pretty balanced. 
And he looked at me and he says, you're right, let's go get him. <laughs> so, so, so I ran and I won and, I, and that's how I got involved. I was one of a hundred when I was at House of Delegates. I said, well, you know what? If I was in the state Senate, I'd be one of 34. I'd have three times the ability to help more people. And then I said, boy, if I was governor, I'd be one of one. I could really do something. So that's how, and now I'm back to one of a hundred. All right, um, but you're like full circle. So that Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You're up for re-election in 2024? 2024. So um, you're going to run again, I assume. I'll be 77 years old. What do you think? But that's young in the Senate. I mean, you're younger oh. than you're not. I mean, the President of the United States is older than that. So, uh, I mean, that's young. So you haven't decided yet, or you want to announce no, that? I haven't decided. <laughs> I haven't decided. You know, if I think I can, if I think I can contribute and be productive, and I think this moment of time we're in right now, we can balance some things out and people understand. The thing that bothers me more than anything that I think I've ever had in my political life is I don't hear the word, this will be good for our country, when we're looking and thinking about fixing a problem until we start and then someone tries to justify if you're on the right or the left, if you're a Democrat or Republican, then saying, we're going to do this because it's good for the country. No, no. You're going to do that because it's good for the party. Well, in uh, 2024, there's another election, uh, President of the United States. You wouldn't think of running for president. That'd be one on one, wouldn't it? Yeah, you could be like a governor. You, why not? Uh, I, haven't, I, I haven't thought of that at yeah, all. You haven't ruled it out, but you haven't thought about it. Or you, you, you want to be a campaign manager? No. <laughs> uh, you, you wouldn't win if I was a campaign manager. I'm not that good. But, so, um, no, I haven't. No, I'm going to support, I support Joe Biden. I really, I really think he was the right person at the right time. We just got to balance things. Well, how do you out. think the Biden administration is doing nine months into it? They're having a little struggle right now. I really think so. And we got to rethink this whole thing. And, I, and I'm thinking that, you know, uh, I agree with him getting out of uh, Afghanistan. We should have never you were happy with the way it, it, it occurred. No, no one could be happy the way we got out. No one could be happy about that. But there's not a good way to get out of these things. That, but there had to be, you think, better than what we did. So you can look at it from that standpoint. But. Uh, I think he understands foreign policy. He really does on some of the things we're working. We've talked about some different con concerns we have around the world. And uh, the United States has to be ready to, uh, to do what we do, defend democracy. If the election were held today, the presidential election that was held a, a year or so ago, uh, would West Virginia vote the same way? West Virginia is still not that supportive of it. Yeah, Democrats. I'd still vote for Joe Biden, but I'd be in a minority. And uh, in your view, West Virginia is likely to stay Republican for presidential purposes for the foreseeable future? West Virginia was a Republican state up until the Depression. And the Depression changes to an FDR state. But we were always a conservative Democrat state. We were the northernmost southern state in the nation because we're out in the Mason-Dixon line. We never flipped. We flipped in 2010. And we flipped, we flipped harder than any southern state ever flipped. The most important issue in the mind of West Virginians today is what? I think the respect and dignity of who they are as a human being and, and the society that we have and the culture that we have, understanding us. We're the hardest working people, but, but I don't have enough workers. So I can tell you, my state grew in immigration back in the, in the early 1900s. People came here because they wanted to work. I need workers. We need people that want a quality of life for themselves and their families and take care of the ones. I have a lot of 
elderly people. I have a high percentage of elderly. And when they talk about social reforms, I said, wait a minute. If Social Security and Medicare is not solvent and the trust funds are not solvent, then you're taking away a lifeline that people have right now. Why should I expand all these social services when I can't even pay for what we got? So do you enjoy being a senator with all this pressure on you? Is this fun or is it not that No, there's fun? no fun. There's no, I mean, here, I don't, you know, and everybody said, how are you taking the pressure? I said, well, I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to do my job, and I'm going to do my job, and I'm, I'm going to explain myself. I've always said, if I can't go home and explain, I can't vote for it. You might be my best friend, and it just, I just said, please, can you give me a pass on this? I, you know, my dad always said, if you can say no with a tear in your eye, you might be okay. And I've been crying a lot lately. Thanks for listening. To hear more of my interviews, you can subscribe and download my podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.